Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I got to be honest with you. For the last couple days, I've been doing some work in this lady's restroom over here. And if any of you ladies have been in there, you know what I did. Say that again. Amen. Amen. I give God the glory. But I'm thankful. Amen. Sister Scott said, we need two sinks in there. I said, all right. She said, ladies are standing in line. And we need. <laughs> Apparently we did. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And Sister Scott, I said, well, I, you know, the plumbing's not set up for hot water. I said, I'm just, it's just going to be. She said, no hot water. I thought, oh, I got to get hot water. Amen. So we got hot water perfectly working faucets, and they drain, amen, and they don't leak. Glory to God. But I just want to tell you how good God is because even in spite of the fact that I worked on that from 3 o'clock till midnight, me and Brother Gilbert, he was here to help me a little bit, and I didn't realize it was going to be such a big job. But you know what? This morning I got up. And uh, prayed a little bit and then came down here and just finished and got it done and just threw a bunch of things and went home and I thought, Lord, I'm just exhausted, you know. I'm just exhausted. And, and so I, I'm going to be honest with you. I rested for a little bit, not very long, but a little bit just to kind of give me a power nap to kind of give me some energy and, and, and rest my, my mind and my, my, my eyes and just my body. And um, I went in to pray and I said, Lord, I said, I've been working on this thing. And I said, and it's just monopolized my time. And I'm telling you right now, I need you to talk to me. I need you to speak to me. I need you to minister to me. And the Lord just spoke something to me as I was up here. He said, you know, you're just a vessel. You're just the wineskin. I'm the wine. And he said, I can take what you have, and what you have may not be very much. It may just be, you know, what you've been reading this week or something. And he said, I can take that and I can bless it and I can feed thousands. So I came in here and I said, Lord, I'm totally trusting you. Well, you look and you see what happens when you trust God. He proved to me, and this is no, this is no advocation or condoning that it's okay, you know, to slack off in areas of your life. But I wasn't slacking. I was just, had, had a, a situation that came up and I just, it turned into more than I thought. I had to get it done or we wouldn't have had a bathroom for you ladies. And we knew that wasn't going to be good. But, but what I'm saying is that God says, I understand those things. And it ain't even about all the effort that you put into it. It's me. Don't ever forget that. I respond and I honor and I respond to effort, and I, I respond to your faithfulness and what you've sown. He said, but always remember, it's me. I said, Lord, it's you. I said, if you show up tonight, it'll be you. Well, he showed up. And he gave me a thought as I was in my prayer room this afternoon, and I just began to just pull it together. God, little by little, gave me little thoughts here and there. So I'm going to preach this the best I can tonight. Amen. And uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35. <clears throat> Numbers 35. And when you get there, say amen. Praise God. I just love coming to church. Praise God. 
You know why? It's a place of refuge. You're getting ready to hear about it. Numbers 35, verse 9. When you get there, you're there? Let's pray over the word. Father, I thank you tonight for your wonderful visitation. Lord, you never disappoint. You are faithful. And Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I just ask you tonight to help me. I need all the help I can get. Lord, I'm just a, a, an empty vessel except you pour into me. I'm just, I'm nothing unless your wind blows upon me. But God, when you blow, my goodness, what a work you can do. And so I'm asking you tonight to speak a word of encouragement and strength to this people tonight. And help me, Lord, anoint these lips of clay and give me strength in my body. And Lord, I truly, truly give you all the glory as I come humbly and submitted before you. I do. I ask you to bless this word, breathe upon it, and upon me in this congregation. In Jesus' name we ask, amen and amen. Numbers 35, verse 9 says this, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you become over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee thither, which killeth any person at unawares. And they shall be unto you cities for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation in judgment. And of these cities which you shall, gi shall give six cities shall you have for refuge. You shall give three cities on the side of Jordan, and three cities shall you give in the land of Canaan, which shall be the cities of refuge. These six cities shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger, and for the sojourner among them, that every one that killeth any person unawares may flee thither. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. But he goes on down to say, further down, go with me down to the 25th verse. Okay, I'm sorry, verse 22. Verse 20, I'm sorry. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by laying of weight that he die, or in enmity smite him with his hand that he die, he that smote him shall surely be put to death, for he is a murderer. The revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meeteth him. But if he thrust him suddenly without enmity or have cast upon him anything without lying of weight or with any stone wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he die, and was not his enemy, neither sought his harm. Then the congregation shall judge between the slayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments, and the congregation shall deliver the slayer out of the hand of the revenger of blood, and the congregation shall restore him to the city of his refuge whither he was fled. And he shall abide in it unto the death of the high priest, which was anointed with the holy oil. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whither he was fled, and the revenger of blood find him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kill the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. Now I want to preach to you tonight for just a little bit here, the city of refuge. And I'm preaching this thought 
You know, around Easter, I always love to talk about the blessedness we have in Christ. Always love to do that. We should do that all year long. But it's especially, uh, you know, surfaces whenever we come to the Resurrection Sunday and the time of the Passion of the Christ and, and uh, when Jesus died and, and that time of year. It's always a beautiful time. It's a wonderful time. And uh, yes, He is the Savior. And uh, that's a blessed thing to us. Yes, He is the Redeemer. Yes, He suffered for us and He conquered for us. I was reading or listening tonight to the cathedrals on the way over here, and they sang a most beautiful song called "The Champion of Love," and it's a powerful song. And one of the one of the parts of the course is that he is the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. There's nobody that's ever defeated our Savior. Amen. But whenever I look at all of this and I think about the blessedness that we have in Christ and what He did. One of the, one of the uh, great things that I'm thankful for is that we serve a God who died for us and is our covering. The blood covers us. And it's beautiful. If you think about it through the Word of God, you see different places where God covers people. He protects them. He protected David in the wilderness. He, he, he protected Daniel and the three Hebrew boys several times because we serve a God who is a covering unto us. He's a covering that is a refuge unto us. In Psalms 91, and I'm just going to read it here briefly because for the sake of time, but Psalms 91 says this, and I love this psalm. It says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walk in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou, eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. You know, I want to stop for just a second and say we look out upon the world and we see the wicked and we see the bondage and the darkness, how dark it is. We just heard this week about this trans girl that went in and she shopped those six people, those teachers and those students in that school, a tragic, tragic thing, you know. Sister Skiles told me that trans, uh, the trans people have a 73% suicide rate. I can tell you tonight, it's not the gun that's the problem. It's the person holding the gun, amen. It's the darkness that's over them and in them, you know, because I can tell you she could have drove a car through that building. She could have went in there with a bomb. She could have went in there with a lot of things. It is the darkness. And we step back and we see the darkness in the world because there are people that are lost. They have no understanding or knowledge that there is a God who is a refuge in your time of need and trouble. But I assure you tonight, we stand and we watch 
as all of these things are going on, but we have a refuge in Jesus Christ. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. I read that to you because I want you to know throughout the Bible in the New Testament and the Old Testament, we see that we have a covering in Christ. He is our refuge and it speaks of being under His wing and His refuge of safety. In Numbers, the cities of refuge were where the avenger uh, cannot touch you. They are a type of Christ being in that city of refuge. It's a type of Christ. It's a place of safety. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a specific dwelling place, even though this church is a place of safety. It's a place of refuge. It's a place where you can meet with God. It's a place where nobody in the building should be judgmental towards anybody. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory. But it's a place where we go over and we as Christ, you know, uh, a hand extended, hover over people and love them and lift them up and and that's what the church is supposed to be a place of refuge a place for people to come a hospital for the sin sick amen a place where depression is broken a place where anxiety is broken a place where the bondages and the and the the, the strongholds are broken upon our lives it is a place of refuge And the places of refuge are types. It's a type of Christ. I remember Brother Talbert talking about that little girl in, in Africa and her mama told her, go to the neighbor and go get some sugar. Well, you know, if you go to Africa, especially Nigeria, when you're in the bush, and I mean the jungle, you're in the middle of the jungle, like Tarzan jungle almost, you're there to go to your neighbor maybe a mile or two down through a dirt road to the next house. So she went over there about eight years old. She was a Christian. Her mama was a Christian, and she taught her about the name of Jesus she taught her about the authority of God and she's walking to go get that sugar for her mom and some man pulls out a club and jumps out of the bush and he was going to hit her and she looked at him and she said stop in the name of Jesus and his hand stopped right there well she went on down the road went and got her sugar and came back to the house and she, she's there in the house and what's so beautiful is that about 12 o'clock that night maybe 10, 11, uh, uh, late at night here come uh, somebody with that man and that club is still in the air and he said I brought him here because he can't move his arm it's stuck. And until you pray for this to be released, he'll be standing this way for years. Amen. So here he is like this. And she said, I'll pray, the little girl, I'll pray. But she said, you, sir, you need Jesus. I know I need Jesus. I also need him to loose this thing. Well, she told him about Jesus, I believe, and prayed in the authority that was in that eight-year-old girl, that man's hand dropped. 
God will be your refuge wherever you're at. He's our refuge. The Lord just wanted me to speak that to you tonight. But I know that Christ is a type of the city of refuge because it afforded protection for life. All that was within it was free. Food, raiment, etc. And the offender, the manslayer, found a place of safety by divine appointment. Did you hear that? Those places were divinely appointed by God through Moses so that if you murdered somebody innocently or murdered somebody by accident. Now, in the law, if you murdered somebody, you an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, you were responsible for that. But if you murdered somebody and it was a total accident, of course the family would want to come and they would want, would want to get vengeance. But God made a way for that that enemy not to overtake you and kill you. And when I say he's a type of Christ in the city of refuge, Jesus came to be our refuge and to die and give himself so that the avenger, which is the enemy that says, your word, God says, the soul that sinneth shall surely die. That doesn't hold if as long as you have accepted Jesus as your savior and he is your refuge. He is your covering. You come under the forgiveness, the mercy, and grace of God. That's why it's a type. Amen. Because you see sinful man has a divine ordained judgment. Those places were ordained safety places. But man, throughout history or through his very beginning, has had a divine ordained judgment. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. The wages of sin is death. You know, we don't want to hear that, but you don't understand the love and the mercy of the sacrifice of the cross unless you realize why you needed it. And the soul that sinneth shall surely die. But Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love towards us, when we were dead in sins, quickened us together in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful tonight that while we were dead in trespasses and sins, God commended his love to us? He made a way before you ever knew you needed one. He saw you in New York when you were backslid away from God. He saw you when I can tell you you were saying within yourself, there is no God. I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going back to California. Be careful what you say to God. Be careful what you say because there's people that are praying on the other side of the world for you. (laughs) But he made a way before you ever knew you needed one. I preach this because this is the real gospel. This is the real gospel. I'm tired of preachers saying, I'm not going to give you a little Bible story. What? I said, what? What do you mean you're not going to give me a little Bible story? Amen. Just a little bit of Jesus is all you need. Amen. Thank God for what he gives to us. But it's just a mustard seed of faith that we need. But people are saying stupid things like, I'm not going to give you a little Bible story. Well, my Bible story is Jesus is your city of refuge, your habitation of cover your safety, your rest and that my friends is the real gospel and it must be preached these cities by design were universal 
They could be reached in half a day's journey. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to go very far to find Jesus? They were by design, universal. They could be reached in a half day's journey, meaning that Christ is accessible to all. I know sometimes we think that person will never get right with God. I can tell you they can and they will. And they have an even greater opportunity or greater wooing and drawing when we pray. I was praying for somebody this week and I know they're in a dark place. And I begin to pray. And you know whenever you're praying and the enemy comes to try to disrupt your prayer meeting, you know you're hitting on something. I said, oh, I said, oh, devil, you just showed me that I'm making a dent here. Amen. I'm penetrating here. There's somebody that's laying in a bed in depression, suicidal. They're laying there. But Jonathan Skiles and many others, we're down there and we're praying. And we're saying, God, you can break through this thing. You can give them victory. And the devil comes and he says, you stop that and that's when I said I'm going to tell you right now I know I've hit a vein I'm going to stay here for a little bit and pray this through don't stop praying (laughs) that's when you press through and press on but my Bible tells me tonight amen he's accessible to all That city of refuge was placed geographically in places so that anybody could get to it that needed it. Churches in the United States, they should be open all the time so people can get there. Amen. The very language of where these cities were located speaks of God's omnipresence. They were everywhere. You couldn't miss the way. Every river was bridged to get there. Aren't you thankful mercy built a bridge? That Jesus began to bridge the chasm, chasm, however you say it, between man and God. There was a breaking between fellowship, but thank God, thank God, thank God that Jesus came and he is the bridge that, that, amen, that unites us with our Savior, with our God. We've been reconciled back unto God. Every road was leveled. There was no bridge that wasn't covered to get to that city of refuge. There was no road that wasn't cleared. Moses was instructed, make sure there's cities that are built. Make sure there's access to them. And everybody knows where they are and how to get there. Every road was leveled. Christ levels everything. The ground is level at the cross of Calvary. It's not uphill for you and downhill for me. It's the same for each and every one of us. It's not hard for me to serve God and easy for you. I can tell you, he said, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you my burden is light my yoke is easy come and learn of me Jesus Jesus so the road is leveled Christ levels everything the ground is leveled at the cross the woman with the issue of blood she was down low but Jesus brought her up Zacchaeus was up, but Jesus brought him down. (laughs) Are you hearing me? 
Hallelujah. The Samaritan woman was right there, but she didn't realize that Jesus loved her and that God's love is not prejudice. Hallelujah. So he said, let me tell you something. I'm asking you for a drink. And he was letting her know just because you're a woman and a Samaritan and the rest of the world may be prejudiced, I love you like I love my disciples. I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. I'm not ashamed. Are you hearing me? I'm not ashamed to be seen with you. I'm not. When you walk in the room, I don't look the other way and hope nobody sees me around you. No, I'm not ashamed to be with you. I'm not ashamed to say I'm your Lord. I'm not ashamed of you. I love you. So he brought the woman with the issue of blood up. He brought Zacchaeus down. He said to the Samaritan woman, we are on the same level here because I want to see you eye to eye. I want you to know I love you. I want you to see, amen, hallelujah. What about the woman that was bent over? He said, woman, you're loose. Come on up. So you're sitting here tonight. I want you to know that the God that we serve is a God of refuge. And if you need something from God tonight, that refuge is for you. Amen. There's not haves and have-nots in the body of Christ. We all have. Amen. We all have. You say, well, you know, this person just seems like that. Well, you don't know their obedience. You don't know their prayer life. Amen. Be very careful. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. God may give you one talent, them five, and another ten. You just deal with what he gave you. Amen. Work with what God gave you. Come on. Don't you worry about somebody else's life. Don't compare yourself with them. It's not wise. Just live for God. Amen. He may have called you to be a Holy Ghost-filled homemaker, to be a mother to your children, to just live lead them in the admonition of the Lord he may call you to be a business owner I don't know he may call you to preach I don't know what God's called you to do but don't try to live somebody else's life or live in their shoes just serve God where you're at that's what's wrong in the church people are trying to compare themselves and God said let me tell you I love you just like you are I don't want you to stay that way, but I love you like you are. Come on up here where I'm at. We, were, we lost the glory of God whenever Adam began to sin. And that's why he said in the word, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory. But God wants to bring us back up to that glorious place. My goodness. Whew. Every crossroad to the city of refuge was so plain and clear. This is the way. Walk in it. You come to a crossroad in your life, take Jesus' way. Amen. Calvary, the Calvary road is often a lonely road. Not everybody wants to walk there. In fact, Jesus was alone. At the end, they all left. At every crossroad to the city of refuge was so plain and clear. This is the way. 
to the city of refuge. This is the way to Jesus. If you're here tonight and you've seen Christ in somebody else's life, follow their example. God's done something in their life, follow that. Amen. They've got something you need. Praise God. They've got something that you need. You know, I used to sing a song, and I haven't done it in a long time. I just have all these songs all of a sudden that are just coming to my mind about that little boy that was lost. And while he was lost, it began to rain. Uh, it was just bad, dark, <laughs> and it's raining. And he's out there, a young little boy lost in the city. Somebody came up to him and said, you know, uh, where do you live? He said, I don't know. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how. He goes, well, is there anything you can remember? And he said, you know what? He said, there's a cross. There's a cross that's lit up right there by my house. And he said, if you'll show me the cross, I'll find my way home. <laughs> Thank God, amen, for the landmarks on the crossroads in our life in those places. All we have to say is, I'm going to go the way of the cross. Show me the cross, and I'll find my way back home. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Almighty oh, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. I remember my, my pastor that I got saved under. He's a great man of God. His name was Don Dennis. I'm telling you, he was a preaching machine. I got saved under his ministry. He's the one that looked at me underneath those set of stairs at, a, at my uncle's house, and nobody else said anything to me. And I'm not saying that they, you know, that they didn't for any other reason, but they were just trying to be gracious to me because I had just been reunited back with them, and probably nobody wanted to beat me up with the Bible or anything. But old brother Dennis, you know, I believe God. God put me on his heart and he was praying for me and when he saw me sitting underneath those stairs he said John Skiles what are you doing I said I'm just standing here he said no what are you doing in your life he said son you need to get yourself in the house of God and serve God and quit messing around come on son he said you, there's nothing out there for you I sat there and wept drove home two hours and wept the whole way home and that next week I went into church and God saved me right there as he stood there with arms open wide he grabbed me and they took me down there to that altar he was a man of God but I remember him telling a story how he was hunting in Michigan out in the woods and he said it got dark darker and darker and before you knew it he said I was way out in the woods and he said my battery my battery on my flashlight was going low and he said I'm out there and he said we was hunting bears but we were about ready to be the hunted and he said, I just said, God, I'm here. And if you don't get me back to my truck, I have no idea which way to go. But if you don't lead me, he said, I'm going to take your direction right now. You're my compass. And the Lord began to tell him, turn to the right. So he began to turn. He said, I walked so far. And God told me, go this way. He told me, go this way. And he said, before you knew it, about 45 minutes later, hour later, here I come. Right there where my truck was parked. God knows how to lead you to the place of refuge. <laughs> Brother Talbert was in the Philippines. And I remember him sharing that story about how he was preaching in the early days of his ministry. 
and somebody poisoned him with with cyanide in a cold sprite. He said that should have been my first, you know, that should have been my first, you know, red flag. Is ain't nobody got ice there? Amen. He said they brought me an ice cold sprite out of the glass. You know, one of them Mexico ones. You know that burns when it goes down. You know, don't you wish that we had those? Amen. Somebody said, well, they do down at Home Depot. Amen. Praise God. But, amen. Thank you, Jesus. But, but he said, I drank that thing down, and he said it wasn't just 15 minutes later. He said, I began to get sick. And he said, those preachers took me back to my hotel. He said, my tongue swelled up twice its size. And he said, they, they, they dropped me off at that hotel. And he said, I was there all by myself. No cell phones then. Nothing. And he said, I'm in there. And he said, Lord, I'm in this room. Somebody's poisoned me. And I'm going to die. And nobody even knows I'm here. And he said, I just began to weep. Begin to cry and pray. And he said, somebody came in that room. It was an angelic bee. And he said, they, sp- they spoke in a South Florida, Southern dialect, if you will. Draw. And said, son, get up in that bed. You'll be all right in the morning. He laid down at that bed, got up the next day, and he was okay. He was healed. In that city of refuge, God knows where you're at. He knows your name. He knows what you need. We are never alone. Never alone. Do you hear me? We're never alone. Don't ever forget the greatest intercessor is Jesus, not you and not me. We're, we can be intercessors and we can be great ones and we're called to be intercessors. But the greatest intercessor is Christ Jesus because it says in Hebrews 7.25 that he is able to save to the uttermost and he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. We have a great high priest who's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's eternal, church. Did you hear me? He's eternal. His work is eternal. And the refuge type is Christ and represents a finished and a completeness in God, a finished work and a completeness in Him. Verses 22 through 25, we read, and it speaks of an allotted time until the high priest dies. Now, you can read that chapter 35 on your own time, but there was an allotted time whenever that slayer, that manslayer could be in that city of refuge until the high priest died. Now, get this. They were to stay in that city, the manslayer, and and the high priest's life or death was the timeline. The avenger of the blood, which was the family that could have come after him, symbolizes the law. And demanded the death of the manslayer. Aren't you thankful that we, even though we deserved hell, and the soul that sinneth shall surely die, but we have a Savior. We have a Redeemer. We have a King of kings and Lord of lords and somebody that went to the cross and suffered for us so that we could be free from the law's penalty. The death of the high priest, in this case, satisfied in the city of refuge in Old Testament, satisfied the claim and liberated the the manslayer. Christ's death, not his life, rent the veil. 
Christ's death, not his life, rent the veil. And it frees the sinner from the curse of the broken law. You have to understand what his birth represents, what his death represents, and what his resurrected life represents. In this case, we're talking about his death. And, and, and that's what we're coming up on next week and then the resurrection. But a lot of times people just want to go to the resurrection. I said, hold on here just a second. He died so that veil could be ripped in two so that we could be, have access to things that we never had access to before. You have access. Romans 5 is very clear. He talks about how we have access unto God and we have peace with God. We don't have to live in condemnation. If you sin, you're, you're going to feel that guilt or that conviction. You're going to feel it. And that's the Holy Ghost working in you. Amen. You know, some people say, well, you know, whenever I sin, the Holy Spirit leaves. The Bible doesn't say that. What happens is the very fact that you have conviction is because the Holy Ghost is fighting with that which you have done. You've invited a hog into the living room. Are you hearing me? Amen. One time we had a lady at a church, Sister Skiles and I went to, and she, she, she brought in an animal into the house. I'm, I don't know what it was about that flew all over me. And I thought, well, you know, they, do, they took lambs into the temple, but I don't know. It just I was like, what is that animal doing in here? It shouldn't be in here. Amen. It shouldn't be in here, but maybe that's not a good analogy, but, you know, people come in and they bring things, you know. It, it, they bring things into their life, into this temple. And, and, and what's happening is the Spirit of God is in a conflict. Are you hearing me? The Spirit in a conflict with what you invited in. That's where that fight is. I can tell you that there is a quenching of the Spirit of God. There is a time whenever you, I'm telling you, you've so killed the Spirit of God. You've quenched it. You've grieved it. You've become reprobate. I can tell you then, you're not going to feel the conviction of the Spirit of God then. But you and I that are Christians, when we do something we shouldn't do, I can tell you, there's that Spirit of God fighting with that which we've invited in. But the Holy Ghost ain't left you. Anybody that would teach you that he, that he is or does is wrong. It's, it's, it's warring there. Clean it up. Amen. Clean it up. I cooked fish one time. Sister Scott said, get that out of here. This whole house smells like a ports of call. My goodness. Get that out of here, you know. And the worst thing you do is put it in the microwave. That just lingers, you know. But I love fish. Amen. I love fish. She said, you eat that fish, but eat it outside. But he said here, there was a lot of time until the priest died. The death of the priest satisfies the claim and liberated the manslayer. Christ's death, not his life, rent the veil and frees the sinner from the curse of the broken law. Jesus, our great high priest, now once and for all, satisfied all claims against us and gave us our freedom. That's what happened to that manslayer. I'm in this city of refuge. I'm in Christ. I'm free. But they accuse me of things. It doesn't matter. What does God say about you? Live for God long enough and live faithfully. 
that people will look at you and go, well, maybe something has changed in their life. Maybe there is a difference in their life. But see, they see you one day up and the next week down. Then they see you posting stuff, you know, on Sunday about how good God was. And then a few days later, you're up in the club. Folks, don't don't look at me like that. Because people put all kinds of stuff, you know. You say one thing. I'm not trying to meddle or pester here or anything. I'm just preaching to you. I'm telling you, live for God. Quit fooling around and playing games. Live for God. Be serious. Don't destroy your testimony by your foolish life. Live for God. Come on. Israel, he said, will look on him whom they pierced. Then in Zechariah 12.10, and then it will be revealed to them that his death restores them to the land and family of God. Jesus is our refuge. Amen. And the offender has one thing to do, run to the city of refuge, because he is our place of habitation. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says that he won't put more on you than you can handle. But in your place of temptation, listen to me, in your place of temptation, he makes a way of escape. There's a place for you to run. Amen. Run to Jesus. Amen. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Aren't you thankful, though, that we have people in our life that can hold up our hands and pray us through? But God wants us all to come to this place, okay, where we are the encourager and not always having to need the encouragement. I'm not criticizing you and your necessity of encouragement that you need. But God is building something in you and bringing you through to a victory so that you can be the one that they're calling and saying, hey, will you pray with me over the phone? Amen. Will you pray for me? Will you? Amen. We do need accountability, but the greatest accountability is our accountability to God. Amen. We need to be accountable. But, but church, ultimately, we're not going to stand before people that are our accountability partners here. We're going to stand before God. And if he can't keep you, That's why people say, you know, why don't you get on them more? Why don't you? I said, let me tell you something. If the Holy Ghost can't make people do things, what makes me think I'm going to make them? And if I make them through guilt or scorn or criticism, then they're going to do it for the wrong reason. They need to serve God because they love God. They need to repent because... They love God. Amen. You have to make, repentance is making up your mind and saying, you know what, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I had several good weeks, amen, just longer than that, but just, just serving the Lord. And last night, out of nowhere, this thought came into my mind. And I said, I put my feet on the ground. I did, I'm telling you the truth. I, you know, I put my feet on the ground and I said, No. No, devil, you're not going to captivate my mind. You're not going to bring all this trash and this crud in my mind. No! I rebuke that and I plead the blood. I made a decision I'm going to serve God. Those thoughts are not going to captivate my mind. This is not your playground. You understand? 
This belongs to God. Let your mind be in Christ, which let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Is not your head and your brain part of that body? He said, present it as a living sacrifice. Amen. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, I'm going to say something. I can tell you that devil tracks you and he watches everything that you do. And you folks, anybody that's on any social media at all, or even on Google for that matter, I can tell you, they follow you. That devil follows you. And he watches your pattern. And if you're looking at things that you shouldn't be looking at, that's what's going to come up in your feed. But if you're looking at stuff that glorifies God and all you're looking at are preachers and worship services and all you're searching and looking for is God, I can tell you that's the only thing that's going to crop up and pop up in your feed. Amen? So what are you feeding on? He said, not only is he our place of habitation and makes a way of escape for us, but he said, even the stranger, even the sojourner, maybe you're a stranger tonight or you've been a stranger. Don't be a stranger to God. Listen to me. You need him. We all need him. And he's worthy of our service, our faithfulness, our love. Our worship. He deserves it. People say, I'm going to put God first. I said, before you ever put him first, he was first. Whether you put him first or not, he's still first. But let us put him first and watch how he puts us first. In this crazy, confusing, dark day, everyone is searching. There's only one refuge, and it's Christ. Run to the city of refuge, which is Christ and our refuge. And stay there. Or you put yourself in harm's way. I'm going to close with this scripture. Back in Numbers 35. Numbers 35. Numbers 35. In verse 26. It says this. But if the slayer shall at any time come without the border of the city of his refuge, whether he was fled, and the revenger of blood finds him without the borders of the city of his refuge, and the revenger of blood kills the slayer, he shall not be guilty of blood, because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a place of possession of eternity. And there ain't going to be no devil there no more to deal with. There won't be sin. There won't be devil. There won't be sadness, sickness, sorrow, death, pain. Jesus is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. But while we're here upon this earth, he is our ark of refuge and safety. And if we stay in him, 
We stay in that place of protection and covering. He said, you get out from that, you're, you're in trouble. That's why Moses was told, tell the children of Israel, put the blood on the doorpost and tell them to stay in the house. I'm going to tell you, church, if you didn't hear anything else I said tonight, I'm giving you a word of warning and of exhortation right now. Keep yourself in the house. Because the dark days that are ahead and they're coming and any preacher that tells you this is the year of prosperity and all that, they're, they're not telling you the truth. They're lying to you. Look, I know, I know that God's going to take care of his people. He took care of Noah and his family. He took care of Elijah. He took care of the children of Israel. He's going to take care of us. But I'm going to tell you right now, all the lies that people are telling you that everything's just going to turn around, all this stuff, I'm going to tell you, it, it may, but there's going to be some things that are going to come down the pike because God, through a revival that's taking place across this nation, is preparing this nation for something. He's preparing us for something. I believe he's shaking his bride and getting a hold of people. Amen. He's, he's doing that. He's shaking them. He's getting a hold of them. Across this nation, it's powerful to turn on the news and see everything that's happening on all the colleges and in all the churches and stuff. But, you know, don't, don't mistake, amen, uh, don't mistake uh, what you see. Just stay before God in this place of refuge because when it all comes down, you and I will be at our place of safety and covering. We won't be in as the five foolish virgins without oil. We'll have oil. I'm telling you tonight as your pastor, I'm not trying to put fear in you because the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid of anything. In fact, we're going to be the ones that are going to be at peace, but only because we're standing upon Christ. It may come down to where you got a pot of beans and you're like, you know what? This is all we got left. And there's, you know, 20 people here. And you're going to pray over that and God's going to feed everybody. He is our refuge, and in these dark hours, I have found my only place of peace and in my mind and with being settled is right there in that prayer closet. So stay there. Go there and stay there. And, 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 and you know, let your mind be stayed upon him. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and every day is, a, is an opportunity for renewal. Every day is a day for new manna. Every day is a day for new mercies. Every day is a new encounter with God. Every day is a time for you to open up the word and him to reveal something to you. There is a city of refuge, and it's a person of refuge to you and I, and it's Christ. Do you believe it tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God.